in your life, maybe this year, maybe even this week, you will be faced with a decision that how you decide will bear a lasting impact on your life and maybe the life of other folks. There are decisions like that. We are faced with decisions like that, big decisions that carry with them a big impact. Now, usually we think about those decisions. Usually we are careful about those, but there are decisions that we make that will carry a big impact. Also in your life, and for sure this year, and for sure this week, you will make decisions that you think are really no big deal, just regular old everyday decisions. And they also will bear an impact. Let me tell you, here's what I have about decided. I have about decided the sum of those decisions, these everyday decisions, these decisions that we might consider small decisions, I believe, will carry an overall greater impact than those that we consider to be groundbreaking decisions. And I believe our lives are the sums of our daily decisions. Our lives are made up of our frequent decisions. And I believe decision by decision, piece by piece, our lives are built. Now, there's great decisions, big decisions, Who are you going to marry? What's your career going to be? Uh, Where are you going to live? There's big decisions that carry a big impact, but I believe our lives are made up piece by piece of the many frequent decisions that we make. Will I read my Bible today? Will I cheat on this test today? Will I tell the full truth today? Maybe nobody's ever going to know it. Will I do the extra things today or will I cut corners today? Will I respond in anger and act like a fool today? Is that how I'm going to respond today? And each of these decisions, little by little, we are building what will become our lives. Well, here's the truth tonight. Here's the thing tonight. For all decisions, all of those decisions, God tells us the best thing, tells us the best way to respond. He actually gives us, for all decisions, his wisdom. And I think about that. God actually, we've talked about this for months, he actually gives us our wisdom. I've had folks come in, a couple come in, and they say, you know, we're praying, should we start a family? Should we start a home? And that's a big decision. And we talk it through, we pray. We're praying about starting a home, starting a family. Now that I'm older, I think uh, the real answer is to decide what kind of home will you bring them into? One of those is a big decision. The other is made up of a bunch of small decisions. What kind of home are you going to bring them into? Well, the good news tonight is that in all of that, God gives us his perfect, timely, profitable wisdom. God gives us his wisdom. So I don't care, listen, what age you are tonight. I don't care what stage of life you find yourself in tonight. We would do well. You would do well. I will do well to apply his wisdom to the big decisions and we will be blessed to build our lives on his wisdom in the small decisions. Tonight we're going to return back to our work. Uh, We're going to restore the effort here in Proverbs chapter 27. I like to point out it is an effort. Being here tonight was an effort. Studying God's word tonight, listening 
is an effort. And so we're going to go back to work tonight, and God is going to bless this effort. We're back in work in Proverbs chapter 27. We left off last week in verse 10. We're going to start back this week in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 11. It says this, Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may reply to him who reproaches me. Listen to that again. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may reply to him who reproaches me. Now, the, the, the truth of verse 11, it may be hard to discern at first, but the, the truth of verse 11 is how children act, how children live is a reflection on the parent. And it, it may be of any age, it may be of small children, it may be of adult grown children, but the, the truth of verse 11, how children live, how children act is a reflection on the parent. And how you raise them, how you shape them, what you teach them, how you train them shows up in their life, shows up in their actions. Now, we like to come along sometimes and say, well, that's not always true or that's not always the case. Well, that's what the Bible says. How you raise your kids, how you teach your kids, how you invest in your kids, the things you put into your kids show up. And it is a reflection on the parents. Now the verse says here that that son, the call is that they would be wise. Now I think I was thinking about this this afternoon. I think there's a whole sermon series here on just being wise. The goal of raising kids is not that they would go to the right school, not that they would play the right sport, not that they would have success as, as what the, determine, the world determines is success. The goal of Christian parenting is that we would raise wise kids. Now, what that means is that they possess godly wisdom and they live according to godly wisdom. Let me tell you something, parent. The best thing you can do is not have a kid that plays in the Major League Baseball. The best thing you can do is raise a kid that knows, possesses, and has godly wisdom and in obedience to Christ has decided to live accordingly. And so it's be wise. That's the mission that's the goal. Now, here's what it says. And when the parent, the person, comes into ridicule, that means someone comes along and says, well, your belief set's kind of silly. Well, what have you gotten for all the things you've done? Well, uh, what, what, what is your truth provided for you? When the parent comes into ridicule, they can point to the behavior of the child. And that's kind of a scary thing. You know what, what, what is my belief set pr provided? Well, look at the lives of my children. They are living in peace, and they are living according to the truth of the word of God. Now, there's two sides to this truth tonight. First is this. Parents, dads, moms, it matters how you raise your kids. And I'll just tell you, it is actually vitally important. Listen to me. It matters how you raise your kids. I was thinking about this. I cringe when I think about it. I remember my first Mother's Day sermon that I preached. Carrie's probably going to not like this story. She remembers it. I was filling in at a church. I'd preached for about six months. I was filling in for a church. It was Mother's Day. Their pastor was gone somewhere. They needed somebody to fill in, so I was filling in. And I, I was excited. 
I, man, I've been preaching about six months. I knew everything. I was excited to tell them what they need to know for Mother's Day. And I remember places packed, and man, the kids are all decked out, and the little girls have their dresses on, and everybody has flowers, and there's the oldest mother, and she's got a bouquet, and, and everybody's there. And I preached this sermon, and I talked about the problem with kids today. And I had a list of all the problems with kids today, and I went through the list, and then I said this, you know the problem with these kids today, and as I was going through that list, people were amening. They're not respectful, amen. They don't take instruction, amen. Now, they're disrespectful to their parents, amen. And I had them all, they were all with me on that. And then I said, you know the problem with kids today, it's not the kids, here's what I actually said, it's sorry parents. And the morning of our, the, the title of our sermon today is entitled, Sorry Parents. That was the Mother's Day sermon that year, Sorry Parents. Let me tell you something, this many years later, I, I might say it nicer, but I think it still proves true. The second part, listen, the first part is it matters how you raise your kids. Be diligent, understand the goal, put in godly wisdom. The second part of the lesson, listen, it is for kids. And I'm talking about kids of all ages, maybe adult kids. The second part of the lesson is for kids. How you live reflects on your parents. How you live as an adult, how you live as a teenager, how you live even as a young child, it reflects on your parents. Their reputation is tied to you. Now, I think I, I see that pretty certain in, in, the, in the way we try to live through our kids. Um, I watch folks, and, and they weren't very smart, but man, if their kids are smart, someone might think I am. Or they weren't a very good athlete, but man, if their kids are great athletes, they might think the parent is. Your, 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 parent, your, your reputation as parents is tied to you. Well, here's the truth, kids. You should seek to honor your parents in how you live. That's what it's saying. Honor your, your father and mother. How do you honor them? You should seek to honor them in your behavior. And as you go through life and as you honor Christ, as you live according to godly wisdom, it points favorably to your parents. There is a responsibility for the kids. And then I believe there's a bigger lesson here as well. Now, there's a responsibility in the parents. There's a responsibility in the kids. But I believe there's a bigger lesson here as well, and that is this. How we live as believers, each of us as followers of Christ, how we live, listen to me, reflects on our heavenly Father. And I think sometimes we think, well, I'm forgiven and I've got grace and praise the Lord for that, and praise the Lord that we do, but we need to understand how we live, how you live, how I live, it reflects on our Heavenly Father as well. And I want to tell you, here's the, here's the truth of this. When we live in disobedience, we bring Him into reproach. Well, you say you live according to His Word. Well, you're known as a follower of Jesus Christ. We see you at this church all the time. We see you carrying your Bible all the time. And when we live in disobedience, it brings Him into reproach. We reflect poorly on Him when we live foolish lives. I think sometimes we think, well, it doesn't matter how we live. Listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a professing follower of Jesus Christ, we reflect poorly on our Heavenly Father when we live foolish lives. Now, be sure we're sinners. Yes, we fail. 
But that does not mean as a whole that we are not striving in his wisdom and in his power to live lives. Notice it says to, to make the parent glad. Make the parent glad. We live to make our heavenly father's heart glad. I don't know. He describes himself as our father. He chooses that. That's how he, how he describes, defines the relationship. I wonder how many times he looks down and goes, Dad gum these kids. I don't know if that one's, I don't know about that one. And I wonder how many times he looks down and says, that's my daughter. That's my son. Look at how they're growing. Yes, they mess up. Look at how they're growing. And, and his heart is pleased in how we live. Our goal is to honor him and to live in a way that makes his heart glad. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may reply to him who reproaches me. All right, moving to verse 12. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself, but the naive proceed and pay the penalty. All right, let me tell you about verse 12. I, I was going to go about 10 verses tonight. We're only going to go three because I'm going to spend some time on verse 12. Verse 12 is a big deal. Verse 12 is important today. And I'll just tell you this. It may be more relevant than anything we're going to study tonight. How much of the world should we consume? I wish, I wish the place were full tonight to hear this. How much of the world should we imitate? How much of the world should we flirt with? In our day, it looks like our goal is to get as close as we can, to get as close as we can to the world, to get as close as we can to the line and still think we're okay. And it seems that is our goal and we actually consider that. We actually plan accordingly. And it seems like our goal, how close can I get to the world? How intertwined can I get with the world and still think I'm okay with my Savior? Hollywood has an awards show that has some kooky guy dressed like Satan and it is honestly a satanic show. And you can post about that and you can gripe about that or you can turn it off and you can not watch any more of their movies. I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to turn it off and not watch any more of their movies. Super Bowl halftime has the pornographic elements in it. Literally, it's just raunchy. You can post about that. You can gripe about that. You know what you can do? You can turn off the Super Bowl. Do you know you can? You can turn off the Super Bowl, and I'm going to tell you something crazy. You don't have to watch any of their games. That's what you want to expose my home to. That's what you want to do. You don't have to watch. We don't have to watch any of their games. Country Music Awards Show. Some of y'all say, uh-oh. Drag, just last month, Drag queens dancing on the stage, straight up perversion. You know what you can do? You can post about it. You can gripe about it. You know what you can do? You can turn it off. You know what you can do? You can quit buying their records. You can not listen to their music. Here's one from two weeks ago. Bud Light puts a pedophilic transvestite on their can. Listen, oh, you can be shocked. You can post about it. You can gripe about it. 
or you can quit drinking that garbage. Now, I'm not talking about Bud Light. I'm talking about all of it. And you start to say, I'm, I know everybody's getting mad. Listen, you can start to say, isn't that crazy? Isn't that too much? Isn't that crazy? How, how far are you going to go? We live in the age of grace. How far are you going to go? Listen to me. This is a call to be radically weird. It always was, and it is today. This is a call to be radically weird. Here's what the verse says. A prudent man. Oh, we need prudent people today. A prudent man has wisdom. That's what a prudent man is. What's a prudent man? A prudent man has wisdom, but they're not just possessing wisdom. They have decided to act on wisdom. A prudent man says, you know what? I possess the wisdom of God, and I have decided in obedience to the honor of Christ, I'm going to live accordingly. A prudent man, what is a prudent person? They have God's wisdom, and they act on it. It says a prudent man sees evil and hides himself. Now, hide, what does it mean to hide yourself? It means this, to get away. It means this, somebody's hiding themselves, you can't be found. They saw evil, you can't find them. They're gone, they're not seen, they're not hanging around. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. What is evil? Here's the question, what is evil? And this is where we like to lurk in the gray areas. Well, that is evil. Right here, that's not evil. This right here, that's not evil. Now, that's evil, but no, not this. And we like to lurk in the gray areas. And the question is, what is evil? What is evil? It's a good question. Is watching this movie with this many cuss words, is that evil? One of the, one of the weird things that I see people say, this has 19 blank words in it. Is that evil? Well, if it only had 14, I would probably watch it with my kids. But, but if it has this many, I'm not going to watch it. What makes something evil? What is evil? All right, I, I looked this afternoon, and I, and I pondered that. And I looked in the Old Testament, and I looked in the New Testament. And I want, I want to sum it up like this. Basically, evil is this. What is evil? What does God define as evil? Evil is anything sinful. There's what is of God, there's what honors God, that, that is in the direction and the leading of God, which matches the character of God, and anything sinful is evil. Anything set against, not fully in line with the character of God, is evil. Anything sinful, the Bible says hide from it, hide from it. Now, here, here's the thing tonight. We do not need to try and cloud up that definition. Well, what is evil? It's anything sinful. Well, what, what, is that more evil? Is this, is this acceptable amount of evil? And we try to narrow that gap. Listen, we ought not try to cloud up, muddy up the definition. We ought not try to narrow the gap. I want to tell you this. We need to try and enlarge it. We need to try to make the, the line even stronger, even even clear, if it's not of God, if it's not Christ-like, if it is a sin, run from it. Be like a person in hiding. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 9. 
Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How? How will I go? Where will I go? Psalm 119. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now the verse goes on here and it tells us the flip side, the naive. That word, if you look it up, it means simple. It means silly. Now here's a very telling thing. It means open-minded. Open-minded. I thought that was pretty profound today. Did you know it seems like the goal of our culture is that you'd be open-minded. You can say you're transgender. We're open-minded. You can say, I don't think that's a sin any longer. Be open-minded. Let me tell you something. It is good to be closed-minded if your mind is fixed upon and set on the word of God. And so we're not to come along and say, well, I'm not sure. Well, I'll, I'll entertain that. I'm open to that. Listen, we go to the direction of God's truth. And so this naive person, they're a, a simple person. They're open-minded. Just tell me anything. I'll listen to it. They are a silly person. It says the silly person, the carefree, careless person, they see evil and they proceed. Now that word for proceed means they move forward. Hey, that looks like evil but they're just open-minded, they're silly, they're, they're simple in mind, and so they move forward, and the Bible says, and they pay the penalty. Be sure of this, for sin, there's always a penalty. Every sin carries with it a consequence and a penalty. In sin, there is heartache, and there is trouble, there is destruction. The Bible says, Ultimately, it all leads to death. And so this person says, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, I'll move forward. And they move forward, and there is a penalty that is sure. This week, I'm working on a Bible study for, for Wednesday night in Psalms. You're going to see it Wednesday. And I was writing as I was looking at some of the verses there, God's grace is not just extended to us in the forgiveness of sin. Hey, we have a Savior that forgives. And there's no distance that's too far. There's no sin that's too great that if we'll turn in repentance that Christ won't forgive it. God's grace is extended to us in the forgiveness of sin, but it's not just extended to us alone in the forgiveness of sin. It is also given to us in the guidance and the power to avoid sin. Let me tell you what's a better thing to have never sinned, to have not sinned, to have not fallen into that situation. Instead of having to come and, and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, and he will, a better thing is to be led by the Spirit of God, led by the Word of God, and empowered to avoid sin. God's grace is not just for the forgiveness of sin, it's also extended to us in the power and the guidance to avoid sin. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Verse 13, take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger and for an adulterous woman, hold him in pledge. Verse 13 is very practical. It continues along talking about the, the simple person, the, the silly person, the person willing to overlook evil. Take his garment, the silly person, the person willing to overlook evil, the, the simple-minded person, take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger and for an adulterous woman, hold him in pledge. 
The person that's not wise, the person that's not seeking God's wisdom, the person that's not using godly wisdom, the person willing to compromise with the world, the person that has no conflict with acting like the world, it doesn't bother them, they have no conflict with acting like the world, this person, if you choose to deal with them, here's what the Bible says of that person. Get it collateral and get it in writing. That's what it says. You want to deal with those people? They don't have any problem with sin. They don't have any problem tipping their hat to sin. They're not seeking godly wisdom. If you choose to deal with those people, you better get everything in writing and you better get some collateral. Now, why is that? It's because of this. They are going to be trouble. They're not led by God. They're not led by the truth of God's word. And if you choose to deal with them, you better get it in writing and you better get some collateral. There's gonna be trouble. Here, here's the warning. And listen, I, for, from the kids, oh, what they would learn if, if they would grab this early to adults, to older adults, here's the warning. Over and over and over, we see it again in Proverbs. Here's the warning. Seek out godly people to run with to mix with, to do business with, to listen to. And don't make excuses for people's worldliness. We say, well, that's just how they are. Well, that, that's, that's just how they talk. Well, that's just the jokes that they tell. Well, I, it's okay, they're a pretty good person. Do not make excuses for their worldliness. Here's the deal, seek out godly people. Seek out godly people. It absolutely matters. Now, here's, here's the deal with this one, too. There's two sides to this as well. And the second side is this. Are we, are you that silly person? Are you willing to just overlook evil to get along? Are you willing to overlook sin? It's fine. It's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Are you willing to overlook sin and evil just to get along? Are you a person that wants to crowd the line? You know what? I'll go this far, but I draw a line here. Here's the answer. Seek godly wisdom. Use godly wisdom and seek out people that are living according to godly wisdom. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger and hold an adulterous woman and for an adulterous woman hold him in Pledge. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that you lead us in kindness and grace. We're thankful that there is forgiveness when we fail. But there's also grace and instruction and empowerment to avoid sin. And I pray as we hear this tonight, I pray for our young kids, I pray for our youth, I pray for, for us as adults that we have listened tonight and that we've been shaped tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we'll seek your forgiveness where we've, where we've failed and where we've sinned. And then I, I pray we will seek out godly people that we would seek to live according to God's wisdom. Lord, that we would, we would understand how we live. And I don't, if we're 11 years old or if we're 90 years old, how we live reflects on you, ultimately, as we profess Christ. Help us to understand that. Help us to live accordingly. Lord, I pray that today you've been pleased. And I, I pray that today that, that you have been known. And I, I pray, Lord, that today we have grown as your church, as your people. 
And the Lord, it still echoes in our ears and echoes in our hearts. The time is near. The time is near. Lord, help us be shaped by that reality. We come and we tell you again today, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Our gracious Savior, our eternal God, the faithful witness, Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We lay all this at your feet. We end this day and our eyes are fixed upon you. I pray we march into a new week. We hold your banner high. We preach your gospel to a lost and suffering and dying world. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.